The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, it's great to have your company on this Wednesday midweek. Of course, tomorrow night, footy team selections night. Kim Hagdon will join me in the studio. We'll analyse the teams and what's likely to happen in round 20 of the AFL. A big Friday night here at Optus Stadium with Fremantle taking on Melbourne. Unfortunately, it may be a trifle wet as it was very wet last weekend with all the activity here at Optus as well. A man that certainly uh, has uh, done a significant job since taking over as CEO of the West Australian Football Commission. I'm not going to try and think how long he's been in the chair, but it might be just over 12 months. He'll probably say it's uh, longer than that because time does fly. Michael Roberts joins us here on Drive with Peter Lajos. Michael, thanks for your time. Oh, good evening, Peter. How are you going? So how long have you been in the CEO's chair? Yeah, eighteen months. So eighteen not too months. Too far wrong, but uh, yeah, it does uh, does fly absolutely. Unbelievably, it does fly. I can't believe that the uh, footy season is coming to a conclusion. July is nearly done, of course. August, and then we're into finals during the course of September. Saying that, uh, speaking of finals, even though the waffle then leaks into the first week of October, I think the question I need to ask you right at the top. Unfortunately, Optus Stadium cannot house the WAFL Grand Final. Yet, any closer to deciding which venue that may be? Yeah, look, but I mean that was extremely disappointing for us. Just to sort of clarify, um, you know, we we had the date of the first of October locked in, and then unfortunately, with the the move of or the introduction of the Australia England um, series or T Twenty matches. Um, so early October as well just doesn't give us enough or the venue enough time. So uh, we, we get uh, sort of bumped a bit by uh, major international events coming in. But uh, we went back to all of our waffle clubs and, and um, said, you know, what do you want to do? We, we've got options to, to look at of, of condensing seasons and things like this. And uh, in the end, everyone said, let's let's keep the integrity of the competition and the fixtures and, uh, and open it up to our clubs to say, uh, as an EOI, who wants to host? Uh, and who might be suitable for hosting. So we opened that up um, uh, late last week. Uh, we've given the clubs and, and councils until the 5th of August, and then we'll make a decision early the following week on where the uh, 2022 Waffle Grand Final will be held. Has there been quite a few expressions of interest without you know, identifying any? I gather there'd be South Fremantle. I gather it could be Subiaco jointly with East Perth at Leadville. It could be West Perth. Have you had quite a few expressions of interest? Oh look, I think most clubs want to. Um, you know, the reality is we've got to we've got to look at the the facilities that best suit um, our needs in terms of providing maximum attendance, um, good facilities for not just the players but also spectators. And I think um, we've made a conscious decision to say it is disappointing. I mean, we put so much effort into um, the Optus Stadium Grand Final last year, and to get thirty thousand people there was a a huge effort and great recognition of where we think Waffle can be. Um, so we don't want to go backwards too far on that. We want to make sure that, again, knowing that our, our crowd's probably going to be about half that, that uh, we just really want to focus on spectator experience and, and doing things probably not seen before at a Waffle uh, Grand Final because, uh, you know, we, we realise we've got to make it uh, something special. So. Yeah. Most clubs who, who have that sort of 12 to 15, 12 to 16,000 um, capacity, uh, we're pretty sure we'll put into this and uh, then it'll be up to us just to work through which one's more suited.
Okay, good stuff. That's the latest in the grand final venue. You'll probably know in the second week of August. Uh, a story regarding Matt Parker, who, as we know, was taken in the mid-season draft, picked up by Richmond, has decided for family reasons with his partner and three kids to come back home immediately and will probably play some games for South Fremantle. Uh, the commission is looking at Matt Parker's scenario, unique scenario at the moment. What's likely to play out regarding him and playing football back here in Perth? Yeah, look, it is a unique situation. Um, there is a process going on at the moment with, um, I guess, papers being presented to our Football Affairs Committee. Um, so we'll know the outcome of that in the next, I'd say, 48 hours. Um, but, you know, obviously you've got players like this coming, or players like Matt coming back. Um, as I said, it's, it's very unique coming back late in the season. Uh, we have rules in place around, you know, players just entering who aren't contracted. We also want to... You know, make sure that uh, players like this have opportunities to play. So it'll be an interesting uh, discussion with, with footy affairs, but um, yeah, that'll be known. Uh, the outcome of that will be known in the next 48 hours. You'd think he'll play some football. He'd be keen to play. South would be keen to house him. The big question is, naturally, South are likely to play finals. And it, uh, you'd have to certainly play a certain amount of games to qualify for finals, wouldn't you, Michael? Yes, well, that's the rule that we have with our AFL-aligned clubs. So AFL-aligned clubs... You know, can't just drop back their their AFL players in the final series. So, this is part of the, uh, I guess, the decision and the deliberation that we we have to have because that current rule is that uh, AFL list of players coming back for aligned clubs they have to play six games to qualify and two of the last eight. Uh, well, we've only got five games left. So, you know, there is a while, while it, it it does seem um, like it would be great to have um, Matt coming back and playing for South Frio. Um, you know, there are rules around it and the integrity of the competition is always something that we need to uphold. Mm. But uh, as I said, you know, there's discussions that will have uh, take place over the next two days. Uh, a lot of people are listening to this chat. We've got Paul who's uh, SMS me from Margaret River because the drive show goes right through the southwest of through the goldfields uh, as well, Michael. He says, can you please ask your guest, Michael, if the WA Football Commission considered removing the remaining buys from the fixture, bringing the grand final forward one week and playing it at Optus maybe on a Friday night, uh, broadcasting it to the nation in a traditional Friday night uh, football time slot. Was that considered at all? Absolutely. Uh, we, we went through look, look, bringing it forward one week or two weeks. Um, you know, we, the, the one week moving it forward again was still tight for the venue. So uh, their preference, uh, and I guess when they say their preference, it means you're out, uh, means that it wasn't an option. Um, I think there's a, a Waffle W Derby that's happening on the Thursday night um, prior to the AFL Grand Final, and I think that's where they draw the line of um, football being played at Optus Stadium. So... Um, yeah, it was an option. Then we looked at, as I said, two weeks before, but that would mean that we'd have to play you know, midweek games and, and two games in a week, and then you start sort of losing the integrity of the competition. Mm. So mm. definitely did look at that Friday night, and um, you know, all of this is, is, again, things that we'll learn from and, and have a look at next year. I mean, uh, if, if you go a Friday night, you're probably going to have to separate um, league from the reserves and, and the Colts and, and have it as a standalone. But, uh, you know, as I said... End of season, we'll review all this and see what is best moving forward. Mm, That's course. definitely a yeah. consideration that we'll take forward. Of course, that AFLW Derby will be interesting is what you were referring to there, uh, Michael. Michael, the 18s finished uh, their championships, only one win. What was the general feeling inside the commission on uh, the youngsters' performances and uh, where they basically, what they got out of it? Yeah, look, I, I think you look at win-loss and there's always a disappointment when... Um, 
you know, we've got a sort of aim, I guess, to win as many as possible, but at least win 50%. Um, winning one of four, a um, bit, bit disappointing from results, but, you know, what the boys had to go through, um, I think we travelled more than any other team going into state, then flying back, then going into state again. Um, so it was extremely tough, and we had, uh, I think, eight changes going into the third match, and then, of course, the reverse of that eight changes coming to the last match just due to um, illness and uh, or COVID and injury. So it was a uh, it was a really good effort by the by the team, and um, you know it was great to get that final game win at Joondalup up against South Australia. Um, you know the the, the uh, talent guys came back after the first game and thought you know we had a really good opportunity against Vic Metro, who are probably the strongest, and, and to to get some confidence that um, things just didn't go our way there. But uh, overall, I think. You know, it's all about giving these guys an opportunity to put their name forward and um, and showcase what they could do. And um, you know, hopefully they they felt they did that. We've now got a few games of uh, remaining for the Colts season, so uh, you know some of those guys can continue to press to uh, get drafted. Hopefully, at the end of the year. I'll come back to you because uh, you've got a bit of Tasmanian blood in you. I want to ask you about uh, Tasmania and the AFL before I let you go. But I need to ask you about the Perth Football Club and West Coast now. When I was growing up, Perth were just such a powerful WAFL club. And they haven't, of course, won a premiership since 1977. And they continue to languish in the lower echelons of the WAFL. A strong Perth football club would meet a strong WAFL competition. Can I ask you where Perth sit at the moment and whether West Coast has in any way enhanced the competition because, as we know, last pre-season, there was conjecture whether they would field a side or not. Your thoughts on those two additions to the waffle competition? Yeah, look, Perth, I think it's probably, um, it's funny, in my 18 months, I think Perth's waffle team has been used as the barometer of whether the competition is um, competitive or, or even. Um, and, yeah, as you know, Peter, it is, as you said, you know, they haven't uh, won a flag since uh, 1970 and uh, they've been probably missing from finals for, for a while as well, uh, other than the COVID year. Um, it, it's something that we, we constantly talk about, you know, um, boundaries and, and points and um, things like that. So we have mechanisms in place to try and present an even competition and uh, the boundaries of where players um, or where clubs get their talent pools from is, is a big one. Um, we know that Perth has a challenging um, pool in regions, in the regional areas. There, uh, I guess, the population of, of where they have is is, is declining. Um, so it is something that we look at, but also in a metro area. Um, and then the other mechanisms that we have in terms of points and, and salary cap and transfer fees, etc., are things that we're constantly reviewing. So we do sort of use, I guess, Perth as as the barometer to see how we're going and. Um, you know, Perth will put their hand up and say there's a few decisions that they've made that probably haven't helped. But, uh, you know, we're, we're in this as a competition and we need to help each other and we need to do what is right for the competition to make it as even as possible um, to present a good, uh, I guess, spectacle for, for fans. But at the same time, we don't want to sort of punish the, the top performers to bring them down to, a, um, to make things even. So it is, as I say, it's probably not a... Not a straightforward answer, but um, a competitiveness of all of our teams is something that we're constantly mm. monitoring. Um, and then that leads into the West Coast situation, which, uh, you know, in the, the two seasons that I've been involved, is, is really difficult to use as, um, as a benchmark to say, well, this is what West Coast is, because um, in both of those years, they um, committed to the season late, and, and that's through no fault of, of their own. 
Um, I think this year they were going down the track of, of an alignment until the very last minute where, when it uh, wasn't to be. Um, so they just didn't have that opportunity to recruit and they lost some of their key players themselves. Uh, and then added to that is obviously their uh, their injuries and um, and illnesses that they've had from an AFL level. So you know, having no listed players playing in a, in your waffle team or, or a handful is not going to be successful or not going to give them the success that they need. Yet, you know, when they can put 12, 13 on the park and bring back one of their experience in in Nat Nui, they can um, you know beat a flag contender in um, in South Fremantle. So. We need to get the mix right for them. Uh, we need to give them a bit of uh, you know, certainty moving forward and, and agree to that, uh, which we have now. So hopefully we just get that, that points balance right to enable them to um, have a good core of players that uh, you know, they can bring back their AFL-listed players and, and be competitive. And uh, again, it's something that we'll be working on um, in the off-season to make sure that we're right mm. for 2023. And just finally, very quickly, Michael, I need to ask you, of course, I think born and bred in Tasmania there and you're involved with the Hobart Hurricanes as the general manager with uh, Tennis Tasmania as well. Uh, AFL, didn't they need to get it in there pretty quickly? Because everybody reckons the longer they uh, stay out of uh, Tasmania, the AFL, the more they'll lose young people to other sports. Yeah, look, um, I will say that I'm not born and bred, so because it seems to be only the people who are born and bred are saying that they should. Uh, should <laughs> Where were you I born? I'm a Victorian. Oh, you're I'm Victorian. Victorian. Oh, but, bad uh, luck. Yeah, but, uh, but look, oh, I think it's I think it's a challenge getting uh, getting an AFL team in there. I think um, you know people compare it to Geelong, but uh, Hobart's got 250,000 people. Um, you know, I, I think. There are other mechanisms to, to grow sport at grassroots level rather than having to spend all that money on an AFL team. And, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be a little concerned for player welfare uh, down there and trying to keep players in there. It's, it's extremely cold in winter. And, mm. uh, you know, as you say, I was with the Hurricanes. And we're a summer sport and, and a beanie was still part of our uh, staple <laughs> uniform. So uh, I, I think there might be a, a few of the players that uh, just might be down there for short periods of time and, and they'd have a, a bit of effort uh, retaining teams. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll all play out in the next month or so. Well, apologies. I thought you were actually a Tasmanian. You were in some ways. You spent a few years down there, but born in Victoria. Good on you, Michael. Thanks for joining us, and, mate, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for sort of shedding some light on where some of the major issues are at. Great. Thanks a lot, Peter. Good on you. Michael Roberts joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos.